If the Miami Hurricanes basketball team ends up with a five seed in the NCAA tournament, yeah, people like me and you are going to be pissed about that. We're going to feel disrespected. But here's something Jim Laranega seems to care about more than the seed number. You are locked on Canes, your daily podcast on the Miami Hurricanes, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Alex Dono, your host. I'm a University of Miami alumnus, longtime South Florida sports radio vet and contributor to allhurricanes.com. And thank you so much for making Locked on Canes your first and your second listen today. We're available free wherever you get your podcasts and available free on YouTube. So my heart finally stopped pounding after that narrow, thrilling victory, two-point win. The Canes basketball team got over Pittsburgh. Winner takes all. ACC champs, well, technically a share of the ACC title with Virginia, but your Miami Hurricanes have the number one seed and, of course, a double bye in the ACC tournament coming up. Are they finally respecting Miami the way that they should? Well, if you look at Joe Lenardi's bracketology, the latest projection has Miami, despite winning the ACC regular season title, um, how far they go in the ACC tournament could, of course, improve their standings. But Joe Lenardi has the Miami Hurricanes as a five seed right now. Ah, oh, like what is this team has to do? Uh, and the Hurricanes, they move up a couple of spots in the new polls. The Associated Press poll, the Coaches poll, they're 13th in the Coaches poll. They're 14th in the AP poll. They're one spot behind Virginia, despite the fact that Miami's got the head-to-head -head win over Virginia, which is the reason why the Hurricanes are the one seed in the ACC tournament. But I think the most important thing is with the way this Miami Hurricanes basketball team is constructed, with their athleticism and just their depth and versatility, uh, you know, I'm not saying that they're that deep of a team just in terms of sheer numbers, but in terms of who can beat you, they're deep, right? Because as we've seen throughout the year, even if Isaiah Wong is not at his best, Nigel Pack can beat you or Jordan Miller, the most underrated player in the country who can do a little bit. Well, a lot of everything can beat you. Wooga Poplar can beat you. Wooga in that win over Pittsburgh. He was shooting unconscious six for eight from three point range, a team high 18 points on the day. Here's, though, what scares me heading into the NCAA tournament where Miami's going to be the type of team that nobody wants to face. But then at the same time, these late game situations, I told you my heart finally started beating at kind of a normal pace a couple of days after this game. But, you know, we've seen this time and time again. You saw the way Miami lost to Pittsburgh in the first matchup a little over a month ago. They did get him this time, though. But Miami in this game had a seven point lead with 30 seconds left in the basketball game. Yet somehow it comes down to a final shot where Pittsburgh missed what would have been a circus three-point attempt, uh, but the type that uh, Blake Henson was making, he had already made a, a circus three a little bit earlier, so thankfully that last shot didn't go in because Miami would have lost on that buzzer beater had it gone in, and the Hurricanes were able to storm the court, cut down the nets, and celebrate, and, you know, obviously – Miami's going to be dancing in the NCAA tournament. We just have to see how high they get seated in that tournament. But here's what Jim Laranega actually cares more about, okay? 
I was listening to Coach L this morning on the Joe Rose Show on AM560 Sports WQAM, which actually, shameless plug, I'm going to be hosting that show the rest of the week. Uh, if you tune in the next few days uh, on 560 between 6 a.m. to 10 a.m., so if you get us during your morning commute, I'm going to be hosting that show alongside former Miami Hurricanes football player Brian Monroe. So we're going to have a lot of fun the rest of the week. But Coach L was talking with Joe this morning, and he said, like, He's not stressing about the seed that they get, but what's important to Coach L is when we're all watching on Selection Sunday, and I know, of course, the team will all be watching together, Coach L really wants Miami to be placed in Orlando to start the tournament, okay? That that's what he's going to care, because obviously we all want Miami to be a two seed or a one. I don't think a one is even possible. I doubt they're going to give Miami a two seed either. Uh, but Coach L wants Miami to be able to open up their tournament in Orlando, and they could do that with uh, options two four seeds and two five seeds would be available in Orlando. And Miami, of course, is projected right in that range. In fact, Joe Lenardi's bracketology would have Miami as a five seed opening up against 12 seed Drake in Orlando. That's exactly where he's got Miami. So Coach L, and the reason why, because you're like, well, what does he get? Does he want to go to Epcot or something? Like, why does Coach L want to be in Orlando? Very simple. Easy for the Miami Hurricanes fans to travel. And, you know, they're, of course, alumni all over the state of Florida. Some of you watching this and listening to this might live closer to Orlando than you live to Miami anyway. Uh, and Miami fans would travel to watch the first, hopefully multiple games in the NCAA tournament in Orlando because Coach L wants that first game being situated close enough to South Florida for a lot of Miami Hurricanes to be able to get to a lot of Hurricanes fans, I should say, and just take that arena over. So Jim Laranega, um, he seems like it's more urgent to him to be in Orlando than to be the highest seed possible. Um, that might just be something he says because he doesn't want to piss off the uh, the selection committee or the bracketology gods. That uh, because you know usually teams that win the NCAA tournament are teams that get a one seed or a two seed. But at the same time, you had a ten seed Miami team last year get all the way to the Elite Eight, right? Larinaga once had a, a Cinderella George Mason team all the way into the Final Four, so he's thinking more about convenience and location for Miami's fans right now than he is about the seed number. Uh, and, you know, another thing on that hoops win on Saturday that impressed the hell out of me, despite the fact that Miami didn't finish the game strong enough, they made a sweat during those final seconds, but they murdered Pittsburgh on the boards. 42 to 20, Miami out-rebounded the Panthers. 42 to 20. And that's for an undersized team, Right. The athleticism and the discipline with which they play, they are able to compensate for their lack of size. And it's really, really a beautiful thing to watch. And I'm hoping a deep run, uh, hoping for a deep run for this Miami Hurricanes basketball team in the NCAA tournament. Uh, so this is our second episode of the day. There's more football and basketball, but mostly football questions from you guys that I want to get to. You've been tweeting the show at Locked on Canes. And if you follow us on Twitter at Locked on Canes, we will follow you back and we might answer your tweets on the show. It's a beautiful thing. We're going to do some of that right here on Locked on Canes right after we talk about Built Bar. I just ate a Built Bar. I had the uh, the chocolate peanut butter granola bar built. Tell me, they make some of the best granola bars. There's so many varieties. So if you're looking for a delicious treat, but you don't want all the fat and calories, 
you've got to try a built bar. I've been trying to eat healthier in 2023, but I also don't want to compromise taste. If you're like me, I've got just the thing for you. You got to try built with built healthy is actually tasty. Seriously. They're so delicious. You're not going to think that they're good for you, but they're perfect for you. What makes built bars so good for starters? They're all covered in hundred percent real chocolate and they come in unbelievable flavors like churro, peanut butter, brownie, coconut, almond. I'm not sure how built does it, but these bars taste like a candy bar while maintaining amazing macros, only 130 calories, just four grams of sugar, but a whopping 17 grams of protein. And now you don't even need to wait around to get a box. Now you can still order your built bars at built.com with our promo code locked on 15 for 15% off. But now you can also get them at your local Walmart and Sam's club. That's right. Head into your nearest Walmart today. Walk to the pharmacy section, grab yourself a box, if you're close to a Sam's Club, run in, grab a 13-bar box with hit flavors like brownie batter and churro. And yeah, you can thank me later because I love me some Built Bars. Thank you so much for making Locked on Canes your first listen today. We're available free wherever you get your podcasts and available free on YouTube. Get a question from Chalupa Batman, who's one of our favorites out there. Uh, and I will be at the second Miami Hurricane spring practice, spring football practice tomorrow. They have not practiced since the opening practice on Saturday. I was out there. I made a lot of observations. We made an episode about that. If you want to go back and check it out, available free, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, Odyssey, YouTube, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, so Chalupa Batman ask with all the depth in Miami's offensive backfield this year, I can see multiple guys getting significant reps, but who do you see making the most out of their playing time in the backfield this year? So for last year, no question, Henry Parrish. Henry Parrish made the most out of his playing time last year. He was Miami's most consist consistent back by a country mile, okay? Um, so listen, um, a part of me could see him as the incumbent doing that, um, but like Chalupa hints at, there's so much depth in Miami's backfield, but there's so many question marks, okay? On Saturday, a tear nearly rolled down my eye, a happy tear, because I was watching a fully healthy Don Chaney, right? If he can somehow maintain that into and throughout the regular season, who's to say Don Chaney, who's well-rounded as anything, Who's to say Cheney can't be the guy who makes the most of his playing time if he can stay on the field to consistently get that playing time, all right? Um, you know, some guys that we didn't watch in spring practice because they're not participating in spring, one of those, Trevante Citizen, it's hard for me to project where he's at health-wise because they're, you know, he's doing some off-season stuff, uh, some training, but they're they're keeping him out of uh, of spring drill participation because – you know, he had ACL surgery back in August, so he's still recovering. Like, he's still in a rehab phase, Trevante Citizen. But um, I looked that dude straight in the eyes. I was a few feet away from him last year. Uh, he's he's built like an NFL back, so I could see Trevante Citizen. And then a couple of other question marks, because these guys are not on campus yet. Neither of the true freshman running backs are enrolled early. Mark Fletcher... Um, that's definitely a candidate to make the most out of his playing time because Mark Fletcher, uh, you would never guess he's 18 years old, uh, should be finishing. Well, he is literally finishing high school right now because he's not enrolled early. And Chris Johnson is going to be probably the fastest player on the team when he arrives. Another true freshman. He's out of Dillard. Fletcher's out of American Heritage. I think both of those guys could make the case. So if 
if to say Henry Parrish, if that's too boring of an answer, and it might be, okay, I'm going to say Mark Fletcher, right? Because Mark Fletcher, uh, unlike Trevante Citizen right now, Fletcher is completely healthy. Um, you know, Don Chaney might be healthy right now, but you, you hold your breath because he's had such terrible luck in the past. And, you know, Chris Johnson, I think, can make a real impact in explosive plays, but I don't think just body-wise he's going to be ready day one to be as complete of a back as Mark Fletcher. So I think I talked myself into thinking Fletcher. I, I could definitely see him getting some burn and some playing time year one. He'll be around for fall camp, of course, though he's not around for spring uh, because I just think Fletcher, he's built like a battering ram, but he's also faster than you think, and he's more of a weapon in the passing game than you think. If you were like me and you watched him in the Under Armour All-America game a couple months ago, you saw him catch, what was it, a 65-70 yard touchdown pass, and he was burning his way down the field. I think that's a pretty good bet that Fletcher, even as a true freshman, is going to find a way to have an impact this year, all right? Our friend Rubicon writes to us. Now, some context on this. It is Rubicon's quest in life. Like some of us, our mission in life is to, you know, to establish uh, world peace, right? That might be your mission in life. Rubicon's mission in life is he wants the University of Miami to start using Phil Collins in the air tonight as the intro song when they're running through the smoke. Like he wants that. What, what do they even, I, I know they use in the air tonight. They use it for stretching. What did, did, did they do Rocky like a hurricane when they're running? I don't even know. I like th This goes to show you how much I pay attention to when they're running through the smoke. I'm more concerned with the visual of it than the audio experience of it. But Rubicon desperately wants them to use in the air tonight when they're running through the smoke. And he says to me, is there an intro update in the air tonight? This needs to be changed. For some reason, Rubicon thinks I'm the DJ at the stadium or I have the power to make that change. I do not. I can make the suggestion, though, if anyone from the athletic department is watching this, note it, all right? Just write it down in your little spiral notebook that we here on Locked on Canes, because you know what? I'm going to go in with Rubicon on this. We here on Locked on Canes would like to use in the air tonight, like right when he starts playing the drums, doo -doo, doo -doo, doo -doo, doo -doo, doo, that the smoke starts going off and they run through. Uh, they run through the tunnel, and then you've got those uh, fireworks. The pyros are going out there. I think that'd be pretty cool. So, you know, if anyone who – Dan Radakovich, if you're watching this or listening to this, jot it down in your notebook. Let's think about doing this for next year, all right? Um, let's see. Uh, we got a question from Javier. He gives me a two-parter here. He says, what's the bigger concern, receiver or cornerback at this point? Uh, I've heard other news outlets talk about corner being a huge concern uh, and could be bigger concern than receiver. Um, you know, I think they could definitely use more depth and more more young depth at cornerback because they, they've got some solid veterans coming in. Terry Roberts from Iowa, great cover corner from the Big Ten. He's coming in. Uh, I He's got, I think, just one year of eligibility left. But I, I think Terry is going to do a good job in that defensive backfield. And Devontae Brown from UCF, who's got two years of eligibility left. So he's a bit longer term. But, you know, he's not going to be around forever. Uh, I think both of these guys can be candidates to start, okay? Uh, and, yeah, you've got some really good young guys coming in in the form of Damari Brown and Robert Stafford. And I, I think Antoine Jackson's going to be a cane. I mean, I'll, I'm going to assume that until 
I'm told otherwise. Uh, you know, he can provide, you know, certainly some depth in the slot in the future. But yeah, I mean, corner, um, you know, I, I would love to see Miami go out there and grab a guy like Jaheim Singletary in the transfer portal. And he does plan to visit later this month. Uh, he's a former five-star recruit and Singletary. He's got all of his eligibility left, right? Because he only one year out of high school uh, played, uh, was on Georgia last year, decided to transfer. So I don't know, maybe he's only got three years left, but it's, it's almost like bringing in a freshman if you bring in a guy like Jaheim Singletary. So uh, I, I think Miami could add some depth there, but I feel pretty good about like the top three or four guys at cornerback this coming year. Uh, wide receiver, there's just so much unproven on that on that uh, unit so i i'm I'm still gonna say javier to answer the first part of your question that i think wide receivers probably the bigger concern uh because miami's got plenty of talent there you know in terms of uh, obviously they're they're loaded in the slot and then in terms of the outside guys you just haven't seen anybody do it consistently right can can colby young you know do for 12 games what he did for about two and a half games last year can Jacoby George do it consistently uh can Frank Ladson have like the breakout year at Miami we were hoping he would have last year after transferring uh, from Clemson Michael Redding Isaiah Horton so I I still I'm still a little bit more concerned about receiver but I also I think these guys are going to benefit from the new offense because I think the new offense is a lot more receiver friendly and I'm curious to see what their position coach, Kevin Beard, can do with them because I'm a huge fan of KB. Uh, so the second part of his question is, what possible changes in position could we see from some of the current roster and how soon would we see those changes come into play during practice? Um, you know, I don't, I don't know if I'm expecting guys to, to change positions. I mean, there, some of the players that have come in, are you know considered like athlete like uh, Collins at Chiampong, but we already know he's going to play defense. Like he's going to play defensive end, so that's not really like changing position. He just wasn't like officially assigned a position when he was recruited, you know. And I I think you could see some players used in creative ways, like a guy like Jaleel Skinner, who's technically a tight end on the roster. I think you could see him lined up wide a lot. Uh, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if you saw. Somebody like Brashard Smith lined up maybe uh, at running back sometimes, though he's a receiver, or Chris Johnson, who's a receiver, or sorry, who Chris Johnson's a running back. Maybe you see him lined up at receiver sometimes. And then, like, all the offensive linemen, they're all going to cross-train. We know that's happening. Jalen Rivers talked about it, and they all talked about it last year as well. Um, in spring and, and fall camp, you're going to see the offensive linemen playing multiple different spots in practice, right? Like you'll see Jalen Rivers, maybe one practice lined up at left tackle then lined up at right tackle in the next practice. You're going to see some guys switching between guard and tackle spots. I'm sure that the incoming freshmen, you know, like in Antonio, <coughs> excuse me, whoo, what happened there? Guys like Antonio Tripp and Okun Lola and Maui Goa are going to be moving around. Like I'm sure you'll see Tripp. Probably won't see him too much at tackle, but you'll probably see him between center and guard sometimes. And then Maui Goa and Okun Lola, you'll see them at center and tackle sometimes. So, like, I, I don't know. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong on this, guys, but I'm not expecting anything earth-shattering. Like, you know, I'm not expecting, like, any of the cornerbacks to switch over to receiver or any of the receivers to switch to corner or, like, a linebacker switch to tight end. Like, I'm not expecting anything like that. I, I think that, 
kind of what you see is what you get in terms of what positions guys play. You know, maybe you'll see some some of the safeties and the corners moving around a little bit, but I, I think the roles could be different. Like Wes Besaint at linebacker talked about how in the new defense, the linebackers are doing a lot more in coverage than they did in the previous defense. So you're going to see some of the roles change a little bit, but I don't I don't think you're going to see too many like position reassignments happening. Uh, we get a question from Pat Mack who asks, hey, quick question. Historically, how much does the new offensive coordinator use his tight ends? Um, so uh, shortly after he was hired, we, we did kind of a segment about this with Shannon Dawson. He definitely, just in terms of targets, like in the passing game, I'm sure you're talking about, right? Like in terms of targets, uh, he definitely like used his tight ends a little bit less than what Miami fans uh, might be used to. But I think that had a lot to do with his personnel because Shannon Dawson, like he, he even said it after he was hired at Miami. One of the interviews he did, he said, this is on paper probably the most talented tight end group he's ever had. Like he just didn't have horses uh, at Houston or even West Virginia like he has here at Miami, right? So I think that's something where he's going to adapt to the personnel because like the top tight end at Houston last year didn't have as many targets or catches as Will Mallory, who was the top tight end target at Miami last year. Boy, congratulations to Will Mallory. Blazing speed, fastest tight end at the combine running the 40. That was incredible. And Tyreek Stevenson had a good showing at the combine as well. So it's great to see the Canes doing big things out there. So, you know, um, I, I think that when you look at guys like Elijah Royal, once he gets healthy, and Jaleel Skinner and Jackson Carver – and uh, Riley Williams, you know, I, I think he's gonna he's just gonna have to use these guys more and line them up in creative ways. So I, I think even though historically, I don't think Dawson maybe uses the tight ends as much as Miami fans are used to. I think he might just adapt that to the personnel that he has in front of him. Okay. Uh, and speaking of tight end, I don't think I mentioned this on a show the last couple of days. Best of luck to Khalil Brantley. Khalil Brantley, uh, former now Miami tight end, has decided to hit the transfer portal. So he was a late scratch from spring football because, uh, you know, he's he's leaving the team. And for Khalil, um, go be great, man. Very, very talented pass catching tight end. Um, I can't speak for him necessarily because uh, I, I have not spoken to him about, you know, exactly why he's transferring. But just my guess would be it's just a numbers game. I mean, Miami, Miami has so much depth at tight end. Uh, I think Brantley realizes I, I could just I could probably get more playing time somewhere else. And and that's to me, I know that a lot of fans don't necessarily like the transfer portal because you hate the idea oh players move around so much. But keep in mind, folks, look at it from their perspective, right? If these guys have a dream of, you know, playing professional football, I'm sure they'd prefer the NFL over the XFL and USFL. But these guys, they they want to play professional football. But they also they just want to play like college football in itself is part of that dream that they get to live. OK, and, you know, to actually be on the field, if, if Khalil Brantley doesn't feel like he could get that consistently at Miami, um, then go go find somewhere. I mean, I'd prefer it if you don't go to Florida or Florida State, but anywhere else you want to go, Khalil, uh, I will wish you best of luck, my friend. You know, even if he did go go to one of the rivals, he's still a really nice dude. I would wish him the best of luck. But. You know, Miami did lose a, a tight end from their roster. Paul Erickson asks, he says, I'll do a fill in the blank. We know our coordinators are significantly impacting the squad if blank. Okay, I'll answer this. 
we know our coordinators are significantly impacting the squad if we score more points and give up less points than we did last year. How about that? And if we win more games, uh, I think that's all we're looking for. You know, on, on offense, um, balance is important. Um, but the big thing is getting the passing game off the runway, right? Because it's, you know, not only are explosive passing plays going to help you win more games, but they're also going to help you win more recruits, right? Because there's a lot of really good wide receivers that are going to South Florida high schools right now who are not going to want to stay at the crib and play at Miami if Miami's offense is boring and they're not putting up numbers through the passing game. And then, of course, you know, the more 70-yard touchdowns you throw, you're probably winning more games if you do that. And then on, on defense, you know, I would like to see – maybe a little bit less of the herky-jerky rotations that we were constantly seeing. Like, feel free to give a guy like Leonard Taylor a few more snaps this coming season. Uh, you know, let, let's find, uh, let's help get a little bit more consistency out of James Williams, although I do sympathize for James because I know he was playing through injury last year, and I think people are a little bit maybe too hard on his tackling because he was playing through a shoulder injury. But this really needs to be a year where he hits the big time, you know, I don't really have to say too much about Cam Kinchins because I know Cam's going to be solid, right? I know that Cam Kinchins is going to end up, I'm sure, being the best safety or one of the best two or three safeties in the country this year, no matter what, because he's got an amazing head on his shoulders and he studies like crazy and he's got the athleticism to go along with that. But, you know, and, and let's give up a few less of those 80-yard touchdowns, those 75, 80-yard touchdowns that we were giving up last year, so. That's the way I will answer that. But really, score more points, give up less points, and then we're going to know the coordinators are having an impact, all right? All right, folks, thank you so much for taking extra time out of your Monday. Uh, this is our second episode of the day. If you missed our first, uh, they should be giving you a, a link within any second. If you're watching on YouTube, they should be giving you a link to click on our, our most recent episode. If you're listening to the audio version, check that out. And we'll talk to you again later on another episode of Locked on Canes, part of the awesome Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day.